Five Sundays this month. We'd like to have the Lord's Supper on that fifth Sunday. I want to give you the outline that I made for this years ago. One thing about the Word of God, it doesn't change. The place of the Lord's Supper is in the church. Don't believe there be any disagreement with that. But, uh, of course, if our building was not here, if the Lord removed the building and we could take the Lord's Supper underneath one of those trees, but it'd be in church capacity. This is not the church. This is the church building where we meet. So it is not a method of fellowship between Christians, but it is an ordinance to be practiced in the local church by the members of the local church. Jesus instituted it in the church. So Matthew 26, Matthew the 26th chapter, and verse 20. Now when the evening was come, he sat down with the twelve, And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, One of you shall betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which he betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, break it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Remember, the apostles were placed in the church first, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 28. Not everyone who loved Jesus were invited. Neither Mary, Martha, or Lazarus were invited to the supper. Even the mother of Jesus was not invited. The order of events in the Great Commission reveals that it is to be in the church. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. God said here in Matthew, the 28th chapter, the 19th verse, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Now notice, teaching them to observe all things. It is the pastor's job to teach 
all things. Not everything has a chapter and verse beside it. I believe that the sanctuary is a holy place. I don't believe you ought to bring food in the house of God and eat what the fellowship hall is for. We can go into the deep history. We can prove all of those things. We'll give you a summary. The order of the events in the Great Commission revealed that it is to be in the church because he tells us to do that. Teaching all nations the gospel. Churches get in trouble when you go talking to community people and telling them all the things they don't understand. Talking to a lady not too long ago, she said, I heard y'all require a head covering for your ladies. No, ma'am. We don't require it. The Bible teaches it. The majority don't follow that. Why don't they follow that? You ask them sometimes. My job is just to preach it and to teach it. It's very clear. You study it. It's two coverings. Natural covering is your hair. You can't take that on and off, can you? So we know the natural hair is not the covering. So it's a covering. Many things that we may practice or some other churches may practice that we hurt the church when we go out and Talk about things that the church believes and you don't practice it. Do the church a favor and don't bring it up. The order practiced by the Jerusalem church places the Lord's Supper in the church. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 41 Acts chapter 2, verse 41. God said, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. What does verse 41 tell us? They that gladly received his word was baptized. You don't baptize anybody unless they made a profession of faith, unless you believe that they understand that it is repentance. You must repent of your sin. And the baptism gets you into the church. You're born into the family. Baptized into the church. I don't agree with that. Then you believe in the universal church. Who's the pastor of that church you believe in? Where's that church at? 
What do they believe? The church is local. And this church cannot tell some other church what to do. But why are these things not taught? Because they want numbers and noses. Paul taught, you know, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. They continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. That's why division in the church will tear up a church quicker than anything. The ordinance is to remind us how Christ died for us, was buried for us, and arose for us. They were baptized, this placed them in the church, and it was observed by those who were sound in doctrine. What he said in Acts 2.42, and they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. This church believes in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking in bread and in prayers. The reason a lot of marriages fall apart, they don't have nothing in common. Take sex out of the average marriage and there wouldn't be any. I don't say that to make anybody upset or mad. That's just a fact. Why is it that when they get in age, they separate? God puts that marriage together and God keeps that marriage. Paul taught that the Lord's Supper was in the church. It's in the church. Let's notice in 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place called upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you, and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice. Verse 4, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge. If the Bible, if the Holy Spirit didn't teach you and you come up with some, well, that's what I've always heard, that's what I've always been taught, and you heard wrong, you taught was wrong. If you can't say thus, saith the Lord. Thank you, brother. God says very clearly 
in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 2 and in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 2. Notice with me. God said, Now I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things and keep the ordinance as I delivered them to you. You can see when they took the first Lord's Supper, not everybody was there. Some of them hadn't been baptized. Some of them may not have made a profession of faith. It's a church ordinance. And you ought to prepare for it. Chapter 11, verse 18. For first of all, when he come together in the church, I hear that there be division among you, and I partially believe it. We didn't take the Lord's Supper for some time. You may say, well, that was your fault. No, it wasn't. You have division in the church. You put the church's life in danger when you take the Lord's Supper. You remember the two? The husband and wife who sold them some land? God took their life to like that. We've got eight or nine page studies if you all want to go into it deep. You can study it and you'll see. Not from me, but from the word of God. That it is closed communion. It is the unleavened bread and grape juice. I've always been pretty strong on the grape juice. I'm even stronger now. When we have that Lord's Supper, I will get some red purple grapes and I will squeeze the juice out of those and I will strain them. I will put them in a sterile jar until Sunday morning when I prepare the Lord's Supper. It's got to be that. It's got to be that. If the grape juice has had time for the ferment is no longer represents the pure grapes, the pure blood of the Lord. And you may say, well, you're the only one that believes that. No, I'm not the only one that believes that. My brother, Jerry Gunn, I like my brother, Jerry. He got a documented statement from Welsh's grape juice that their Welsh's grape juice is pure, has no leaven in it. He's satisfied with that. Most everybody is satisfied with that. But if you study church history, it came from the pure grapes. Squeeze, strain, so there's nothing except the pure 
blood of that grape. God said in the 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians in verse 18, For first of all, when he come together in the church, I hear there be division among you. He said, I partially believe it. For there must also heresy among you. They which are approved may be made manifest among you. When ye come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper, for in eating every one taketh before others his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. What? Have ye not houses to eat and drink in, or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. There was all kind of sin in the Corinthian church. Church history will prove that at the back of the Corinthian church there was a prostitute house. Think God going to please them in that? No, he's not. Church is forbidden to eat with those living in sin. And, and this is really what it's all about. Uh, nobody, you don't have the right to judge anybody. Whoever was the last person that joined this church, I had to ask them some questions. Have you repented? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the only one? You want to make sure that that person has a testimony that they love the Lord. When you're receiving letters, granting letters, pastors don't care. The last pastor we dealt with personally. Just tell me what it takes. We'll agree to it. Really? Notice 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 7. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice, and wickedness, but with, with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Now let's dig a little deep here. He said, therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness. 
That means if there are membership, during that membership, you know there are those who are living in sin, you cannot take the Lord's Supper and let God be pleased knowing that that person is living in sin. Can't do it. And I've asked people the same as I do a lot of times. If you believe I'm wrong, prove it to me. Because if I'm wrong, I want to be right. But I've studied under John R. Graves, A.W. Pink, Charles Spurgeon. I can name it on and on and on. When God says, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice. You got odds with another member? You're going to take the Lord's Supper? No, you're not. You just think you are. And the preacher, he don't want to cause no problems, so he said, well, that's just between you. You know, that's what God said. Let a man examine himself. Well, if a man is saved and he examines himself, he knows whether he's got malice or not. He knows whether he's honest or not. He knows whether he's been lying or not. If I examine myself, because the average person, I What's the problem? I didn't do nothing wrong. Everybody is doing what I do. Yeah, but they're, they don't claim to be saved. They don't claim, claim to be a church member. Well, I told a married man that's only been married six months, already unfaithful to his wife, and he said, Brother Tony, this is commonplace. Is it? See, the way it is that everything, everybody's doing it. If everybody's doing it, it must be right. But God said, if everybody's doing it, mark it, it's wrong. God said, in verse 9, I wrote unto you in an epistle, not to company with fornicators. Now, if you've got practicing church members that are committing fornication, and you're going to take the Lord's Supper? What did God say? I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not all together with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioner or with idolaters, for then must he need go out of the world. I'd be friends with an adulterer that is outside of the church. I ought to be different. When I talk to my best friend and he believes that being gay is it's just wonderful. I can't say it's wonderful because God calls it an abomination. But he said in verse 11, But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother, read with me now, be a fornicator or a covetous or an adulterer or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner, with such as one know not to what? Eat. 
You can't take the Lord's Supper if you knowingly there are members in the church that are taking this. What is hard to understand about this? He said, and one know not to eat. Paul went on to say, for what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not judge them that are within, but them that are without God judges. Therefore, put away, oh, here it comes. Put away from among yourselves that wicked person. What is that? Church discipline. Man. You practice discipline in 2022, and you, know, you don't love people. <clears throat> you want to know what's wrong with our kids? No discipline. No discipline. I don't know what those two boys back there do when, when I'm not there or when I'm not around. But I heard their mother ask them two or three things yesterday to do. They just quietly did it. Didn't say, why? Aiden, it's your turn. Eli, it's your turn. They just did it. Now, they may be worse than the bulldog when I'm not around. I don't know. But that's not abuse. Your children ought to respect you. A child of God ought to respect God. You can't respect God if you don't respect his word. If Christ invites all Christians to partake of the Lord's Supper, then how can they obey the scripture? 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. Now, you know, it's uh, this uh, 11th chapter, you know, it's the first part of it's talking about uh, uh, higher, you know. But here he says in beginning with verse 17. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that ye come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be division among you, and I hardly believe it. For there must also heresy among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When ye come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before others his own supper, and one is hunger, and another is drunken. What? Have ye not houses to eat in, and to drink in? 
or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. You want to go do like I did because I wasn't taught, I didn't know any better, go to the bookstore and buy unleavened bread. A little pack of little crackers, you know, been made 15 years, probably hard on a rock. And that represents the blood? That represents the body? No, it doesn't. We ought to make sure that that unleavened bread and meet as many qualities as we can of what Christ's body was. And Christ's body had no leaven in it. It had no sin in it. God said, for first of all, when he come to judge in the church, here there's a vision. Can't take the Lord's Supper when there's a vision. You're kidding yourself. You said, well, I'll just do it. No. Christ has already said, you know, for first of all, when you come together in the service, I hear that there be division among you. He said, I partially believe it. He was going to give them the benefit of the doubt and no doubt about it. And in verse 44, when he had given thanks, he break it and take a, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, also he took cup. When he accepts saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as oft as he drank it in remembrance of me. Now, I went to a place and I preached there several years, something like 10 or 12 years. I'd go down south every year. About four or five of those preachers said, uh, we're going to get together after dinner and, and uh, we're going to show you why you ought to use wine for the Lord's Supper. I said, Okay. But you know, they never called that meeting. They got the right to use wine if that's what they believe. But said it's pure. Did Christ's blood go through a process to purify it? It did not. So when you take those grapes and you squeeze all the juice out of them and you strain that juice so you have nothing but the pure juice of the grape. No changes went through. Just the pure juice. So that's a lot of trouble. My Savior's worth it. 
you can't you can't take the Lord's Supper when there's division among you. We should not fellowship with those who are not sound doctrinally or do not live godly. God tells us that in 1 Timothy 6, 1 through 5, 2 Thessalonians 3, 6. That's 2 Thessalonians 3, 6, 1 Timothy 6, 1 through 5. So the purpose of the Lord's Supper is two false theories are taught concerning the Lord's Supper. The Roman Catholic theory, theory, meaning that when the priest prays over the bread and wine, they are changed into the literal body and blood of our Lord. And you've got to have imagination to, to go there. The Lutheran theory of transubstantiation, meaning that when a prayer is prayed over the emblems, the body and blood of our Lord are united with the emblems. What do you do with that juice that's left? If you fix 50 and only had 30 show up, you're going to throw the Lord's blood away? You're going to throw the Lord's body away? How do you destroy that? It represents his body. It represents his blood. So we use... Whatever element is the best element to represent that. Now, unleavened bread symbolizes his pure, sinless body that was broken for us. Matthew 26, 26, 1 Corinthians 11, 24. The cup, the fruit of the vine, symbolizes his shed blood. Matthew 26, 26 through 29, 1 Corinthians 11, 5. Don't have to worry about this. I will put this on my Facebook page. The preparation for the Lord's Supper, it is designed and dangerous to abuse the observance of the Lord's Supper. I'm going to read this one to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27 God said, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Each person is to examine himself. That's what 11.28 said. But let a man examine himself. But when you know, when it's publicly knowledge that a man or woman is living in open sin and you invite them to the Lord's Supper, This is called for reflection. Before you should take the Lord's Supper, there ought to be reflection, inspection, and correction. 
Those three are needed. Reflection. Reflect on your life. Inspect your life. And correct whatever needs to be done. Three questions these persons should consider. And we'll close. Am I right with God? You know, it doesn't take a five minutes, hour and a half. If I'm wrong, all I've got to do, I sit right there where I'm at and say, Lord, you're speaking to me. I'm guilty and I repent of that and I ask God to grant me a life where I'm honest with myself first, then I'm honest with God. So we've got to be right with God. Am I right with the church? Thirdly, am I right with my fellow Christians? You can't take the Lord's Supper if you're not speaking to your brother. What kind of unity is that? Huh? We're not in unity if we are choosing sides when the word says one one thing. If the word says it's wrong, it's wrong. You know, I don't have no problem when a person comes up to me and says, I know what the Bible says about this, and I know what you preach on that, but I'm not going to do it. That's between them and the Lord. Not my problem anymore. My problem is just to preach it. Right? Amen. Amen. Ought to be amen. It's all over the church. When God's word says it, we ought to want to practice it. But I'm one of these people like that guy a couple weeks ago said, will you tell my, will you convince my wife that I love her? As soon as you stop committing adultery, I'll do my best. We've got to be honest with ourselves. And if you're here and lost this morning, you're one heartbeat from hell. One heartbeat. One heartbeat. I've been having some...